You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Haddenmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Today, let's talk a little bit about old school PT. And this also has to do with combat training as well. So stick with me. Don't think it's just uh, about physical training. But again, we're talking about some old school. We're going to do some new school comparisons. And we're primarily going to be talking about the concept of training arrows, which was uh, a phrase used in in the the old days. We'll get the definition of it uh, in a bit. Now, this offering can be consumed independently, but... It is best uh, listened to. It's a companion to our prior podcast offering uh, called How to Unstick Your PT. If you prefer reading it, you can also take a look, look at our blog as well. We've got it. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes as well. And you can uh, have a look there and comparison. The, again, independent is fine, but you put these two together is really how I meant for them to be consumed. Now, uh, with that uh, blah, blah all the way, let's get on to open with a quote. This is from Owen West of the 1st Battalion, 1st Marines, went on to become a fine novelist as well. Uh, the quote is, don't be tempted to mistake a good physical fitness score for tactical superiority. I'm going to repeat that because it is golden. Don't be tempted to mistake a good physical fitness score for tactical superiority. Unquote. Now let's go on. Let's talk about those training arrows. Training arrows are an overall true north that is meant to correspond to your or an athlete's comprehensive fitness or conditioning skills, goals, etc. Now, training arrows will differ according to the athlete's desired end. Like the true north for an old-school six-day bicycle race or a modern Tour de France hopeful, it will differ from that of a leather-helmet-days gridiron athlete of yours. It will differ for the modern-day Peltzman-affected, scientifically-engineered, helmeted modern football player. I mean, I think it pretty much comes down to standard. We get that. If you're training for a marathon chances are you're going to have a training arrow that reflects that goal in mind. If you're training for rock climbing, yada, yada. There are going to be some commonalities because the uh, human body is a human body and it it, it craves movement. But uh, we obviously need to get our skills up to snuff and have the the strength and stamina to support those skills. But we do want a broad overall base for that. But often we're mistaking some cross-training for uh, this broad overall base. And this is not the way the old schoolers saw it at all. So uh, training arrows are less about the specific specific hows than they are about the whole gestalt pattern of the of the why. It is again the difference between the tactical, which is the application, and the strategic, which is theory, your heading, your bearing, your planning. Again, I can't say enough. I urge you to either listen to or uh, or, 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 or read the offering on how you uh, to unstick your PT. These really are meant to be twins to, to go together. Uh, well, Siamese twins, really. Of course, here our focus is conditioning for combat, real-world scuffling, or sportive endeavors, all right? Now, our spotlight today shines not only in this combat arena, but how combat athletes' training arrows, well, they've reversed directions from the turn of the 19th to uh, the 20th, 20th century to where we are right now. Now, first, let's begin with what we know right now. And that no might be put in scare quotes uh, from my point of view. Today's training arrow trajectory is pretty much this. Uh, Bigger is better uh, or more is better. Uh, When in doubt, uh, do more. Or uh, looking like The Rock or Chris Hemsworth is the benchmark, apparently. This thinking makes up a large majority of today's training arrow. Okay, now let us uh, again look at Mr. West's opening quote. Don't be tempted to mistake a good physical fitness score for tactical superiority, unquote. Now, we're going to come back to the possible whys of this reversal of today's training arrows. Uh, but at the moment, let us look to yesterday, these training arrows, and find out if bigger is indeed better. 
or more is even better. So the past training arrows, if we look at athletes of the past or beyond sports to the conditioning of high-performing hosses of everyday life, we see the ranks populated less by uh, the comic book expectations we encounter today than a more reserved, more realistic, more... Well, I'm going to say it's an efficient and effective performer. I'm saying if you look at lots of old schoolers, uh, big and huge and ripped and jacked is uh, more of an outlier because part of it's not having access to the pharmaceuticals. But now we've got you know guys coming out of high school that are already looking like uh, they're wanting to audition for the next Marvel film. And we know how that was done. Is there some work involved? Sure. And is there some work involved uh, with uh, paying for the concoctions? Oh, hell yeah. Yes, in the old days, there were very large, strong men, and it was admired and ogled at. I mean, Louis Sear comes to mind as our stand-in icon of this class, but have you ever seen Louis Sear images or photos of Louis Sear? Uh, most of these strong men of this caliber, super strong, real deal strong, no juice helped strong. This is uh, pure OD work. Most of these plus-side humans were, well, they were exactly that. They were a bit on the plus size. Not exactly aesthetic wonders, but would not need to be an aesthetic wonder to be effective. Okay, make sure we're clear on that. Now, if we look to the ranks of physical culture, though, for the most part, and even the combat arts of boxing and wrestling or being a combination man, which is twin of uh, both fighters, uh, we're going to see that far more modest uh, physiques are, was really the, the watchword there. We're going to allow three exemplary individuals to stand in for what the average large size of each endeavor was. And again, we're talking, and these were considered kind of heavyweights in their class, and also, but we definitely, they were heavyweights as far as the skill goes. Now, keep in mind, these stand-ins were not outliers. These are pretty much the standard as far as uh, uh, the, the, the size of the human being was, all right? In physical culture, we'll have, take a look at Eugene Sandow. I mean, there's We've got photos of him up on the blog offering of this thing. Again, take a look at the show notes there. If you're not familiar with him, you take a look at that physique there. He's considered the father of modern bodybuilding, but even then he wouldn't be doing what we consider bodybuilding now if you're familiar with the unleaded program. It's much more in-depth and uh, well thought out than that. Uh, so that's what, hence they call it physical culturist. There's a far more in-depth thinking about what's going on. He, he comes in with his weight, uh, depending on where you are in his career, anywhere from 185 to 195. Okay, that's not a big human being whatsoever. This is a far cry from today heavyweight bodybuilding class or hell even people want to be just you know in superhero films uh yet have a look at his physique and ask yourself well yeah well, he, he looks good but if he were bigger he'd be more pleasing to the eye and that's that's bs of course not this guy was considered one of the most perfectly sculpted human beings at the time and i would still say it, uh, it holds now there's nothing there's no bloat about it but uh it works now keep in mind mr sandow was not mere show muscle he could perform feats of strength as well the, the aesthetic standard of your also assumed ability not mere bench or beach muscle use of muscle was the watchword and we have to we have to admit it it's not saying that bodybuilders are not strong human beings, but we know that's not what the emphasis. The emphasis is purely the aesthetics. Where in the old days for physical culture, we were looking both, uh, we're really looking for aesthetics, we're looking for stamina, and we're also looking for performance. The performance just wasn't what could you do in the gym, it's what you could do outside of it. You want to have a goal outside of what's going on. Now, another uh, example from the time period, let's take a look at boxing. Let's take a look at Jack Dempsey, who was a heavyweight champion at the time, ranging in fighting weight from around 183 to 193. And again, this is a far cry from uh, many today's heavyweights, and yet, does anyone doubt that this man could throw a punch? Absolutely not. But again, this was close to the standard of what a big man was. Now, again, of course, we have outliers. We got the Jim Jeffries and all this. We got the Boilermaker. We got some big guys for the most part, though. Uh, heavyweight, 183, 193 is pretty respectable. 
Now, in wrestling, we can have a look. Uh, I'm allowing Jim Londos to sit, uh, to stand in here because it's about the t- where we're getting the switch from pure uh, good uh, uh, actual wrestling and start moving over to show wrestling. But still, yeah, uh, a lot of people considered uh, uh, he, he was really quite good. And uh, the puffery that often sound, surrounds pro wrestling, he was uh, usually billed as weighing 200 pounds. But athletes in the know who stood alongside him, men such as David P. Willoughby, assert that Lando's weight was really around 175, uh, flowed up to around 185. So again, we're hearing a commonality of human beings, average size, and go up and down. Now, who's right? The 200-pound estimation or Willoughby saying around 175. Well, Londo was about five foot eight, and so take a gander at his physique. Willoughby's eyewitness estimation sounds for more in line with the truth. 200 pounds on that five foot eight frame would probably come out a bit uh, bloated. So the training arrow of the time was, forgive the word, it was weighted towards natural bounds and good performance weight. This lighter, by current standards, training era was nothing new to the mind of Americans who were still steeped in the frontier tradition. So keep in mind, a lot of these athletes are coming out of the late 1800s and rolling through. So there's still some portions of the frontier that were very much the frontier. Now, at the turn of the centuries before even that one, we're looking at the 1700s to 1800s. This was still lighter is better. Uh, the voyagers, the rivermen, uh, I'm gonna, this is one stand in here, were considered Haas athletes. And they were also often off, offered as physical exemplars through legend and dime novels and, uh, you know, with the book, books of uh, Washington Irving and such. So, and uh, the, many remarkable tale of their feats of strength and endurance. When rivermen are now portrayed in film, we often get uh, large burly Hosses as if that's what it took to get the job done. But in fact, smallness was coveted. Now, why was that? Well, think about this. As economics, room in canoes was valuable. Larger men eat up room for stackable profits of beaver pelt. The average size of these guys was close to the heights of 5'6". 5'8 was considered tall. And most of these guys, the weight is coming in, topping in at around 165 pounds. I don't think these guys were weak. Uh, later on, we're going to be discussing some uh, traditioning, uh, some training aspects that actually come directly from uh, this Voyager uh, Tradition, uh, you're going to be absolutely astonished at uh, some of the feats that were pulled off. And this is including moving, uh, moving and hefting some weight around. Uh, at the time, young boys uh, who idolized these rivermen, they often lamented growth spurts as it took them out of the range of uh, these guys that they admired. That's a far cry from today where everybody just wants Jack bigger is better, bigger is better, and bigger is better, right? Well, that may not be true. The old school training arrow uh, said leaner and meaner. The training arrows of yore emphasized leaner means meaner, not bigger is better. Like Owen West tactical score observation, weight, be it uh, muscle or flab, that requires resources to move, resources uh, that uh, you know require energy to shuffle about the planet. So any of us who's done any kind of hiking or rucking or moving about, uh, the larger the creature, the more energy it requires to make this happen. And again, that can be uh, uh, you could be carrying you know, 25 extra pounds of flab or 25 extra pounds of muscle. Clearly, 25 extra pounds of muscle would be better, but we're still going to eat up more energy and we often see this tiring out. Now, we have to think about this in pre-motorized transportation. And again, we're talking last century, whether it was you traveling on foot or you on active waterways, which means you had to paddle or pole or haul uh, to move uh, through that river. Or if you're on top of a horse, and horse, that's, that's, that's not a passive activity if you're putting in major distance. And also, whenever it comes to horses as well, horses don't want big flabby guys on top of them either. I mean, that matters. So size matters in all the old ways of transportation. We're not even talking about training. Just to move about, just to do your day-to-day, just to get 
to school just to live. You're not riding a bus, hopping in your car, doing all this. Size matters. The larger the human animal to heft around, the more problems encountered. Living itself, not just physical training, just living itself was not conducive to being big. So a lot of it would be that physical activity would keep you down, but it just overall the human animal will adapt and realize, hey, this just doesn't work out carrying just this even 15 extra pounds. It's a, it's a no-go here. Now let's, uh, let us look to another Owen West observation to illuminate. Here he refers to a, quote, swole marine. Uh, quote, he has sculpted the perfect build given our working uniform. Like cops, it is protocol to beef up the biceps to fill out the rolled camouflage sleeves. When our Marines start pulling this crap, working on beach muscles for aesthetic purposes, Gunny and I run the extra meat off them until they view the extra weight as a burden, unquote. So here we see, even now, with whether it's uh, the old days of yore or now Marine Recon and such, we're going to see it's the same sort of thing. Bigger is not necessarily better. Leaner does not mean aesthetics were off the table either. Again, have a look at Sandow, Londo, uh, Londos, or Dempsey. A lot of people think you got to get big and swollen and jacked to look right. Uh, the old school thought was more akin to an old master who was painting in homespun canvas uh, with, with all of its so-called imperfections or bumps or, 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 or uh uh, thread beads in the canvas where a thin medium is used and this allows the contours beneath the paint to be revealed and incorporated as the aesthetic effect. So you kind of lean down and then show off what you're working on. Now this is an opposition to today's paint-by-numbers artist who sees deficits in the canvas of the human body and rather than trying to hone those and then lean it down seeks to apply globs of paint to provide the illusion of dimensionality. That is to get bigger, get bigger, get, make things stand out by just by making the illusion of them uh, getting larger rather than you just leaning down and getting to what let us see what is actually there revealing what's there you know hacking away like michelangelo uh with the sculpture um the other thing that was very big particularly to the combat uh, athletes of oh, the old days was start at the cut this concept is this leaner equals meaner equation also applied to combat sports where weight cutting is often part and parcel of the game formally uh, less ado was made about weight cutting as work rate and frequency of fights or bouts served as checks on between work bloating. You know, at the time, it's not like some people are only maybe fighting, uh, you know, four times a year. They're fighting quarterly. And at the time, there's some people who's working, you know, definitely fighting every month, at least. Some people are fighting every two weeks. And, of course, we also hear people doing smoker events and such. Some guys were putting in once a week things. And, of course, we know wrestlers at the time could be working, you know, four or five times uh, a week. Fighters worked closer to their natural weight class simply because weight cutting steals strength and stamina. And in the long term, is a, is a drain on health. For men and women putting food on the table each and every week off time would raise an eyebrow. Leaner and meaner meant why cut weight? You should start at the cut and live at the cut. This training era is opposite today's beef it up and then uh, I'm going to go through a cycle of I'm going to lift heavy and get bigger for you know three or six months and then I'll cut it down. This was seen as counterproductive and health kill, uh, killing. So why did the training arrow turn from the target of the goal of what the endeavor was to the self? Now there's likely no single answer, but I'm going to offer you a few uh, possible culprits. Uh, number one, the movement from reality to fantasy. Uh, formerly, the role models that one encountered in life came from those amongst you, the, those you knew or could at least lay eyes on, whatever town you lived in. You know, men and women in the real world doing real-world things, they kept food on the table. These were likely everyday Joes and Joannas. They had no extra time to spend in the gym or to perch on a Peloton for hours at a time. Thusly, even those admired ones looked closer to the standard of non-enhanced human perfectibility. 
Now, fully clothed, a lot of these folks are just walking around looking like mere mortals. I mean, not Ace Guard wannabes. Now, with that at the time, without a comic book image or a film hero with bulging muscles in view or a CGI created daring do uh, all the time, these extreme or in extreme outliers uh, we can find with every click and view, uh, you can just turn on TikTok and see things that uh, definitely are going to be outliers and enhanced uh, in some cases uh, with technology, in other cases pharmaceutically. That just wasn't available. You had to look around and find what was within your purview was when the eyes view. And this became your standard to look at. Uh, now we're able to look around and see enhanced outliers almost everywhere we look because of the, the power. It's not the power of the individual. It's the, the needle, the lab created scoopful, the artistry, the photographer, etc. Now, number two culprit here, Maya's probably, as I've already alluded to, here's the pharmaceutical candy shops. As we alluded to in culprit one, many today resort to scoops, needles, pills, sublingual concoctions to juice, boost, tweak, and terraform. This arrow's influence is most often manifested in the direction of bigger is better. As thus far, a potion or powders does not uh, bestow Mr. West's lamented tactical competence. Uh, size and swole stand in as pharmaceutical camouflage for locked and loaded. Uh, we see these, uh, locked in these huge guys playing the, the heroes in films. Whenever you get closer and look at some spec uh, warriors and the look at these guys in the old days, they're not that big. Uh, <laughs> they had to lean down because, again, it uh, requires energy to heft that around. And we're asking them to do uh, some amazing things. And it lean's the way to go. This is where this human animal really goes. We have already had Mr. West's modern marine perspective on this subterfuge. Uh, culprit number three, possibly, is this. It's gamifying perfectibility. Again, let's go back to Mr. West. Let's hit that opening quote one more time. Quote, don't be tempted to mistake a good physical fitness score for tactical superiority. Unquote. Now, we probably need physical fitness scores in the realm of, uh, let's say, military trained just to get an idea of where you are in the, these benchmark standards. But uh, but keep in mind, the benchmark standards are to find out if you're even close to up to snuff to become uh, operation ready. You're ready for missions and such. Now, this is huge. This is a huge thing going on here. Physical fitness scores have gone mainstream, where formerly this was the realm of military standards or the president's physical fitness test. Now, everything from CrossFit to yoga to uh, knees over toes, everything has scoring or coveted progressions and standards to meet. But most of the time, these standards to meet are where in the military, they're meant to see if you're ready for operation. Now they're just standards to meet. They're really not going anywhere. Uh, the I train six days a week. And this, a lot of you do as well. I'm not, I'm not making this stand out. Six days a week, but also in this uh, past month alone, I mean, I've, I've hit some uh, uh, kayaking, hit some whitewater, driven demolition derby, put many, many miles on the, an ATV trail. I've been caving, and, and I, I don't train specifically for any of these. Where The old school thought was to do the way the conditioning worked, that it was operationally ready for so many different endeavors without having to necessarily do that. But the point I'm making here is the fact the training shouldn't just be for the training. The training should be for what the goal, the, the arrow needs to go somewhere. And that's the problem with a lot of these things. It is meeting standards. They're just standards that stop, and then they don't go on to actually have a goal outside of just doing the gym exercise. Many eyes, not all, and not even the examples I provided, have moved from conditioning being the preparatory fuel that goes into bolstering performance in an endeavor outside of preparation to simply doing the thing was supposed to get you ready for the thing. In other words, we've ah, many of us have gone from going. We want to make the standard. We have a good friend time or whatever a hero workout is for CrossFit or 
or, or what have you, we're going to go, here's the standards, here's the protocol, hit those standards and realize we're just asking ourselves where the goal becomes, I want to be a champion at this exercise. And we forget exercises are meant to be preparation for something else. And many of us are forgetting to go, well, do that something else. In essence, we become these simple-minded characters portrayed by Mark Wahlberg and John C. Riley and Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. When they first meet each other, uh, they want to start quizzing each other about their bench presses to find out where they stand in the pecking order. Many of us are more concerned with what do you bench, what's your friend, than what can you do with all that prep. The old-school training arrow sought to reinforce and support intrepid endeavor, be that in combat or fording a river. The new school training arrow often just seems to be aimed at nothing more than the reflection seen in the mirror. It's kind of a solipsistic reflection that is too often compared with the unreality of much of the media imagery we see and too little with what actually exists around us. Even worse, uh, when you think about it, the time and energy put into this arrow is fired in the opposite direction of an outward-bound target. Now, we want it really to go pick out goals, go do something. By my way of thinking, the old school arrow hits the mark, whether that is uh, for combat arts or just being an intrepid soul who gets out there and tries some things. Again, I'd say consumed with uh, uh, How to Unstick PT podcast or blog post even more so. And if you want some really in the weeds how-tos for the PT constructed and the trajectory of the old school training arrow, well, have a look at our unleaded conditioning volumes. Again, in the in the show notes, I'll put a link to you can go take a look at some of that material out there. We've got five volumes available right now with many more coming out. They're all constructed on the old school trajectory lineup. And again, but if your thing is just bigger is better and uh, screw the lean and you, you like your creatine and everything else like that, well, don't have a look. It's just it's just not your cup of tea. Uh, have a good one, crew. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. <laughs>